because I'm busy here voting on uh, two pages of propositions. Do you have some insight? There are, there are what, 17 of them? There are, and then there are also uh, city and county measures as well. Yeah, how many of those are there? Uh, in Marin, there's only two. In San Francisco, we probably have like 14. Yeah. Uh, please, uh, I'm sure you already were going to, but please vote appropriately on the uh, grocery tax. Oh, yes. Those ads are so frustrating to me, and I understand the whole in favor side, sorry, pro side, is is funded by like Mike Bloomberg and out of the area people, but the the opposed ads are just so insanely deceptive and and, and frustrating. Did you see those during the playoffs? I mean, I I have, but I mean, all political ads are kind of that way. I think Trump's ads have been pretty straightforward. <laughs> I you know I saw one the other day. Have you have you noticed that? No, no, I've I've I watch a lot of news or like I've seen many of them. I've only I've only seen one. I think it was last night or the night before. They they speak or they they're very on message with his uh, RNC speech of doom and gloom and you're all gonna die. I I had the um I had the sound muted at the time, so I I couldn't tell you. Well, I assume you saw the imagery of just awfulness. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I did. I did see that. Yep. Yep. Um. So yeah, are you, did you do uh, absentee or vote by mail? Yeah, I, I always do absentee. Um, I, I, went to the, I went to the polling place, the, my first presidential election in 08, just because, you know, I wanted that whole kind of in-person experience, I guess. You wanted to be in, in a weird booth in Isla Vista? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, but no, ever since then, I've done absentee. I think it's it's really nice, particularly in years like this, where there are so many different measures and propositions that we're voting on. I the idea of going into a voting booth and like having to bring something with you to remind you of how you're voting or mm-hmm. I don't know, that just seems a little overwhelming. It's, it's nice to be able to do it from the comfort of your home. Yeah. So uh, a couple things on this. So this is the first year I've ever remembered to, I, I would always forget to actually request it, even though uh, during well, the registration just, process, just it, it's just, just a checkbox. You, you just set it to be in perpetuity. But do you have to re-register every time you move? Mm-hmm. Oh, you that, yeah. But like, I'm just registered to be an absentee voter each election cycle, and so my the ballot just shows up each time. Like, I don't, I don't need to redo that every year. Okay, well, hopefully that sticks around. But um, what was the second part? Man, what was I going to say? What'd you say right before this? Are are you are you okay? Well, what just happened? No, I've been horribly sick for a week. But um, oh, oh, that's right. I'm sorry. No, but but I'm mostly I'm mostly okay. We were talking about um, voting. We were talking about absentee voting. It'll come back to me, but it's okay. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's about Oregon. Yeah, I didn't notice. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that Oregon was a compulsory, like the only option to vote is by mail. I think that's very interesting. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, that's, that's like in New Jersey where they force you to uh, get uh, full serve gas, except it's full serve voting. I also didn't know that there is some states that do online voting. Is there? Yeah. Like I think it's, it's limited capacity. It's for, um, I believe, mainly like military personnel uh, um, who may not be able to even get a physical absentee ballot. Um, so is it for like overseas deployment only? I, I believe that's what it's mostly for. Although it, it, from what I, I just, I saw it, I don't even remember where I saw this now, but um, 
I believe there are some other limited circumstances where it could be used. Got it. Yeah, that scares me. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree. Like, yeah, there's so yeah. One of hoping the government gets it right, and then also just the fact that that's if if seems like the high likelihood of of an election being tampered with, not in like somebody's cheating kind of way, uh, but just general like malcontents trying to disrupt the process. I mean, the the system's already rigged anyway, so. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> Crooked Hillary. Uh huh. Someone's coming to straighten up Washington. That's right. Wait, why isn't that his run? <laughs> I accidentally found uh, a, a much better oh, I see, uh, tagline. I see what you did there. Yeah, if if she's crooked, why isn't he there to straighten up Washington? I mean, even he probably even he probably couldn't say that he could straighten up Washington with a straight face. Yeah, it's much better than M A G A or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Excla- well, you got to remember the exclamation mark. Yeah. Why would he decide in mid October to make it a hashtag and not have done it any other time? I mean, if that's if that's your main question about his campaign, then you know you're probably you're probably better off. So on to the main event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what I think that's what we're calling it now. I think that's what we call uh, this segment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the biggest news of the week for me, and maybe this because I just have a short term memory, is uh, the Microsoft Surface Studio. Did you see this today? <laughs> that's. I did see that. That that's really your biggest news since the last time we talked. Yes. Okay. I I'd, I'd like to know why. Because this is this is gonna this is gonna be great. And it's gonna transition into everything else because I'm a professional. Okay. Have Have you seen it? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Is it something you'd want? Pretend it ran OS ten. I mean, no, because it seems too geared towards artists. But just don't use that stuff. Well, but that's that's sort of like half of what you're paying for. Because if I if I read that correctly, it's like a three thousand dollar machine, isn't it? So is the twenty seven inch iMac. Yeah, but with that with that you're getting a lot more just computing and screen power. No, you're not. Is this thing a, like a five K display? It's a four and a half K display. Oh well, yeah, and but, it's and it's so got so you're missing you're missing half a K. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. Like, I just I. It, it's the same reason why with my iPad Pro, I don't have a, a, an Apple Pencil. It's like, what, what would I, you know, what would I get out of that? I don't know. Like, this, this computer inspires so much wonder in me, and I, and I don't know why. Like, it just seems like all this nonsense that Microsoft has been up to since Windows 8 in terms of trying to touch, optimize an entire operating system, it like half makes sense now to me. It seems like this is the first device where that finally fits, and it still manages to be what seems like a very nice, high-performance traditional desktop computer, and then can convert into an artistic tool or a work tool that can be used like in a pen input style way. Which for me is 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 super interesting. I don't know if like if if Windows was my operating system of choice, like uh, this would be the the fastest buy. Like I I had to avoid uh, going to the Microsoft store on the way home from work today to to go and see this machine. Oh, do they already have them like on display? I've been told they do. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Just like it just. 
but it's so I super mean, interesting. So, so I mean, walk me walk me through this. I, I by the way, I hate that phrase, but I hear it so, so often, I get sucked into using. No, it. No, no, it's fine. I'll I'll give you the ten thousand foot version of this. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Before yeah. we before we parking lot it. Okay. Um, <laughs> God. Do, um, should we should we start a WebEx to? I'm pretty sure we've made yeah, no, the no, no. exact same joke before. We probably have, but let, <laughs> okay, let, let's let's do a WebEx and uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll gather all the asks of this meeting and we'll we'll is that a term that people use around you? I think no um, action items is the phrase that I hear more often. Okay, so you'll keep track of the action items. Mm-hmm, you'll mm-hmm. S- you'll send those out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. Yeah, is somebody recording this? Is that a thing? Oh, I thought you were making a joke about us forgetting to record. No, no, no. Does uh, do you guys not record your meetings? Not usually. No, yeah. I think we've had some training stuff where maybe we have, but in general, no. Got it. Um, where were we? God, what were we doing? Yeah, what no, were no, we no, it about? was you. You um, wanted me to walk you through. Oh yeah, yeah. Can you why walk this me is through? A great thing? <laughs> um, why you would want something like this? So, like, I guess in your hypothetical example. Like if the, if this ran um, a Mac OS or OS ten as as you keep calling it, I'm uh, not going to. And that's the thing. As a defiant middle aged person who does not identify as being a millennial, I will say OS ten till the day I die. Mm-hmm, I bet you. Will. I'm not doing lowercase MAC or capital OS or OS X. Um, never said that in my life. Even <laughs> even when I had like a fever of 105 and I had like a two day long headache, I guarantee I would never have said OS X. Did you really? This time. You really had a 105 degree fever? I'm making it up because I'm an American. Did you Did you go in and see somebody, or did you just sweat it out? Uh, <laughs> I think my body. I don't know. I was out of commission for like two days, and then I saw a medical professional. Okay, good. It was rough. I don't get yeah. sick often. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So this computer, it's. So okay, so so let me let me finally ask my question here. Mm-hmm. Why why would you want something like this more than your twenty seven inch iMac? Like, what would this like? What would you really do on this computer that you couldn't do on your current Mac? One, it's just I think it's just kind of the nerd in me, and and that like this just seems really cool. Like, and, and the thing is, I in odd being like one hundred percent honest, I think convertible laptops are dumb, and and they look silly, and they put um. The, the promise of function is probably never going to be delivered. Like the, those Lenovo yoga books and all that stuff. I don't think any of this stuff ever makes sense or delivers on its promise, but this looks like it actually does. So if I'm thinking about a 5K iMac that I could like set the screen down so that when I'm in Lightroom or I'm doing something that could benefit from input methods that aren't a mouse and keyboard, that just seems really, really interesting and cool. And again, like if I had to pay a five hundred to thousand dollar premium for that, that is totally worth it. I, like I don't know, like the iMac just has not changed in fifteen years, other than it's getting like a higher resolution, flatter display, and getting faster over time. And Apple, who's the company that is always supposed to be so focused on creatives, and that people are not using. Like what were the get a Mac ads like? Oh, like oh, uh, Macs are great for all this creative stuff, and and PC is good for just uh, spreadsheets and business. Like, I just this seems like a computer you would have thought Apple would have made. Uh, I mean, yes, like, again, like think yes of, and no. Think of the Lightroom and Photoshop example. Like just like sometimes if I'm like touching up a photo or like doing some like serious edits to something, like just using the mouse is kind of tedious. 
and I've had uh, Wacom tablets in the past, and those those just it's not as good. So I can appreciate the nerd answer. I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. Like this definitely looks like a fun piece of technology, but just in terms of day to day use, I don't. I just I just have a hard time seeing like people like you and me getting a lot of extra value out of all the touch input stuff. And and and, I, and you're totally right in the sense like I don't think that I think it would stay in its like standard like iMac style all in one like configuration like ninety two percent of the time like Hillary's chances of winning ninety two percent of the time <laughs> but it's like it's like eighty five percent now uh, every time I go to the New York Times they have a much more uh, liberal or or like a, <laughs> yeah they're 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 more they're for yeah exactly and it, and they talked about it today on the elections podcast is that like they they assume a smaller possibility of an error in the polls exactly thank you i don't know like it just it seems neat and the thing is this is not a computer for everybody but you know what neither is the 5k imac nobody is going and buying a computer that starts at 2300 dollars for one that doesn't that has an ssd in it and it's i don't know like it's just this isn't competing with like 800 dollars computers no, definitely not. But I, I guess the point is, if you're going to pay the extra money, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting this thing is too expensive. I'm sure for the technology you're getting, the amount that you're paying makes sense. But if you're going to pay, I mean, the, the top end configuration that I'm looking at here is $4,200. If you're going to pay that kind of money, it just seems like you have to have a really concrete use case. Like the analogy I would make is, if you're going to go back to school and get your master's degree... Like you darn well better know what you're gonna actually do with that degree if you're gonna put all that time and money into getting it. So, <laughs> yes, kind of. For a very small subset of people, I guess a machine like this makes sense, and I, I guess that's what, that's why maybe I'm not as excited about this thing as you are. Where, to me, something like this, while technologically cool, just has very limited appeal i guess i get i get more excited about technology that's both cool and has widespread appeal like the iphone's a perfect example of that where it's technology that's years ahead of anything else no it's but not it, well no it's the, not the, I'm, I'm i'm referencing specifically the original iphone uh, oh it, to, it, it totally was, it was it, 18, totally it was 18 did. months ahead okay what well, whatever ahead technologically and every single person who looks at it sort of instantly is like wow this is amazing that's literally what i said have you like have you uh, homework after the show is that you have to go watch the very apple like uh youtube video that uh microsoft made introducing this and it just it, uh, it's so impressive i cannot believe we're having this discussion about a microsoft product but it's it's wow I have to say, I don't love the fact that you're getting a mobile GPU, even in the most expensive configuration. Are you? Yeah, the 980M. Uh, but here's the thing. On this iMac, Apple, this Radeon M395, this this could not play games. This this is a... No, it, it's fine for like pushing as many pixels as it needs to, but the graphic performance of this computer is not... I'm not. I guess I'm not even thinking about it for games. I just I, it, this the GTX 980M is a, is a laptop um, GPU. Well, so but I but just, of course it is because like so is like everything in the iMac is 
it's basically a laptop. Oh, really? I didn't, I guess I didn't, I didn't know that. Well, yeah, like all of these computers, just because like, it's not going to have, like, it doesn't have the space for like a traditional, even like a micro ATX mother, like whatever those things are. Like it's not a, de- they're not desktop components. Hmm. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Anyway, I, I'm very tempted, like not tempted, but I'm, I'm very interested in it. And I don't know, it's, 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 it's super interesting and we'll get, uh, in my pick of the week, there'll be uh, maybe more clues as to why it's interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, so this moves, I think, very naturally into kind of the state of the Mac and what we might see tomorrow at Apple's uh, Hello Again event. Mm-hmm. Did you want to take the lead on that? <laughs> well, so I think thanks to some images that were buried in Mac OS 12.1, which is an update that went out a couple of days ago, um, people people found these images buried in some... I don't know. I don't even know. Some system folder where there were images which referenced um, and had photos of a MacBook Pro with a Touch ID sensor, um, and and the photos were largely in line with the rumors we've heard before. Where um, it, it and this is this is a top down perspective, so it's hard to tell much beyond this. But it's a MacBook Pro that has a OLED uh, touch sensitive. Uh, strip sort of in where the f- current function keys are uh, there's a touch id sensor built into the far right side of the uh, that touch sensor um and that's about all we know for sure uh, people have sort of gleaned from the photos that the machine pictured appears to have the same type of keyboard as the macbook um and that's a again. That's about all you can see from the photos. Uh, there have been a bunch of other rumors, including the fact that the machine's not going to have MagSafe or any traditional USB ports, but rather it would just go all USB C. Um, <clears throat> so I guess sort of you know taken to like taking all that in, you know I, I've joked before about you know my Lenovo work laptop has a touch sensitive strip very much like this mac one at least in terms of like location and everything and that thing is awful just awful isn't yours uh on the lenovo isn't it uh e-ink it's e-ink yeah yeah i assume that's part of it so yeah i i assume that's part of it and i i would have to imagine apple would take much more care into the implementation of something like that uh, but even even having that in mind, I'm still just sort of naturally skeptical of this thing, mm-hmm. uh, just because you know y- you don't get that same tactile response that you get from a physical key, and when, particularly with a laptop, I feel like so much of your typing and input is done based on feel, not by looking. Exactly. I, did, I just that makes me a little apprehensive. Um, but then the, you know the, the the bigger things from that sort of list of rumors and things that people have gotten from that image is no matter how awesome it would be to have touch id and actually we should get we should get back to that with the whole um apple watch mm-hmm. and mac os thing yeah um but you know as awesome as touch id would be to have on a mac and as you know cool as some of the features i'm sure are on the um touch bar or whatever we're calling it to me, if it just has USB-C, if it has no traditional USB ports, and it's got that awful MacBook-style keyboard, I mean, mm-hmm. that just seems like a complete non-starter, yep. no matter how awesome the rest of the machine is. Yeah, so there's a lot here. 
because uh, we both have the 13-inch Retina MacBook Pro, which which is a, a totally fine, serviceable computer. It's it's the hundred pence of laptops. It makes no sense that you would compromise on all of these things for what can only be slightly thinner. Because like the most like when you look at a really compromised computer like the MacBook One, that one is two point one pounds. Do you know how heavy it is? Not off the top of my head, no, but that sounds about right. It's around the two pound mark. And the uh thirteen inch retina MacBook Pro I think is three and a half. So I don't understand how how much lighter and thinner it could get where like the person carrying it every day gets like a substantial benefit from that that is worth compromising and getting a what's just to be blunt, just like a shit keyboard. Like it's it's terrible. Like if you're not using it with an external keyboard and you're writing more than a couple of paragraphs, like that is not a computer you can do work on. I, I'm sure some people can and, and more power to them, but I, I've I've given it a try and I can't. And then on a machine that is uh, allegedly targeted at professional or maybe like the the non entry level user, like I don't like I'm sure USB C will be very common very soon, but like not even keeping around one or two ports that seems just like it seems like a downgrade in almost every regard because if because if it's getting thinner too they're probably not going to pack in some like a a better processor it's probably gonna be more power efficient and be on par or maybe slightly faster i mean even if even if in a year usb-c somehow becomes the de facto standard and then that's not going to happen but let's let's just optimistically say that's true I don't want to be using dongles for every single thing for the next year. I mean, including like, you know, today, right? Like we have uh, Thunderbolt to plug in external displays. We've got HDMI, we've got standard USB. I mean, I use all of these ports on a daily basis. And so the idea of having a bunch of dongles sticking out from the side of my laptop, uh, that that is not appealing at all. Mm-hmm. Even, even the, the microphone I'm using right now. You know, standard USB. So I'd have to have an adapter for that too. And that well, just... you can just rebuy that when Rode uh, <laughs> releases a USB-C version. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it, and I and I I know so frequently I and sometimes we come off as like just old uh, like crotchety people that don't like progress. But this is this is one of those cases where I. Th- think and again this is for an unreleased product but i just don't think most of these compromises especially for a computer that again is not like on the macbook one i was bummed because i wanted a really thin computer but i was like you know okay it's the entry level or like it's like supposed to be like the populist laptop and most people don't plug a lot of stuff into their computers and they would like a really thin sleek looking computer so that's great but on the pro model of somebody who does creative work or or really relies on their computer a ton, just having to, like any space savings you're getting from that half pound of of weight they've removed is now going to be compounded by three pounds of cables and accessories and BS you have to carry in your laptop bag to get the same amount of work done, and I just hate that. But hey, Touch ID, <laughs> like uh, that is I like oh man if they just released the. The 13-inch MacBook Pro that already existed made the the uh, bezel around the screen a little bit narrower, and uh, uh, maybe made the battery life a little bit better, and threw a Touch ID sensor somewhere on the keyboard. I, I take my money. Well, okay, so but let me throw some cold water on that. 
So when Apple announced uh, Mac OS, uh, Mac OS, what, what, are we, what are we calling it? Mac OS 12. I forget, I, I forget what the code name is now. It's OS 10, 10.2, uh, one, uh, 10.12 uh sierra so sierra that's right um one of the features that they highlighted was that you'd be able to unlock your mac using your apple watch which in theory sounds totally great um i upgraded to mac os um basically right when it came out and i forget if we talked about this on air or off air but i I could absolutely not get the unlock your Mac, mac with apple watch feature to work at all like every time i would try to enable it it would just say that it couldn't communicate with my Apple Watch. Um, and I, I sort of wrongly assumed it was because in both scenarios where I was trying to use it at work and at home, at work I was on, I'm was i on a Wi-Fi network that's got you know some weird uh, login thing that we have to do. And then at home I'm on a 5 gigahertz network. And so I figured that the watch had to be on Wi-Fi in order for this to work. And because of the weird login that I have to do at work and because of using a 5 gigahertz network here at home, I, my Apple Watch just wasn't able to connect to Wi-Fi and therefore that's why I wasn't able to use it. Um, but then this week, there was an update put out for uh, Mac OS 12.1 and an update for the watch uh, 3.1. And I, I don't know if it's one of those updates or if it was both updates in tandem, but I enabled the feature again this morning it turned right on and i used it probably seven or eight times today worked immediately every time both at home and at work and it's really awesome and in some ways like i almost think it would be maybe even a little bit better than touch id because i don't like i don't even have to touch the computer like I, i just tap a key just to wake up the screen and then it just unlocks and it's pretty quick yeah, pers- personally, I would still prefer Touch ID, but I I can see how that feature would be neat, um, and I'm glad it's working better because it seemed really cool in the demos, and it was kind of a bummer that most people were reporting that when it worked, it wasn't as good as it was presented to be, and it also didn't work most of the time. But that's nice. But no, I I think Touch ID would be better to be honest. But why? Why? Just in terms of reliability. Sometimes, like if I'm near my computer, I would want like I would want to like maybe wake the screen for some reason, but not unlock it. Like I, I don't know. Like I there, there's a lot of instances where maybe I even though I'm near it, I wouldn't want it unlocked. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't know how you'd reconcile that. Because does it mean like let's say I like I don't know like I'm next to somebody and I have my computer locked, but just because I'm near it, they can wake it up and unlock it because I'm within like ten feet of it. No, no, no. It's supposed to be you have to be really close to it. I don't think how, Apple has... How does it know? <clears throat> well, that's what uh, Federighi was explaining to Gruber on the talk show. It uses some, I don't know, some near... Like they said, like I know it's like, ti- it's like time of flight networking or like some, yeah. some, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like the difference of like if I'm three feet or six feet away from the computer, like it's still, I don't know. Again, some, like I'd like to be very explicit about when I unlock or lock my computer. I don't know. Yeah, no, I guess that, that, that makes sense. So I mean, I think it's kind of just a stopgap towards towards Touch ID anyway, because like Touch ID seems more flexible, like with Apple Pay inside of Safari, and eventually I assume that'll somehow branch out to Chrome and other stuff. Like it just seems like that experience is much better on a dedicated sensor. It seems like it's probably gonna be less error prone, and we know that Apple Watch adoption is not 
a, a thing. Well, so you bring up a good point. So if I think one of the key questions that I'm interested in having them answer tomorrow is, is the Touch ID sensor going to be just something that you can use to unlock your computer and for Apple Pay, or is it going to be open to third-party developers? Because, oh, no, I assume, man, I assume can, one password. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I like how you just, you knew instantly knew where I was going with that. Yeah, Any, Anything. Like, yeah. no, that's the thing. Like, if you want to talk about something that's a pain in the ass, is is the... Like, it, like sometimes I'll like be doing something and I'm like, oh shit, the, the, t- the five minute timeout and then I have to re-enter my damn master password again. I'm like, ugh. And it, like, how great would it be if it somehow integrated with the browser plugin so that when you, you know, go well, to sure the website, would. you just, oh man, that. Because the browser plugin is just like a little miniature OS ten application. It's not actually built into the browser. So see, like that's much, much better. But again, my main point is just that I like... A lot of people don't want the watch, and that seems like a. They're, I don't think they're going to hold up that feature just to prop up sales of a mediocre product. Man, it's going to be such a bummer tomorrow when they do all the Touch ID and Touch Bar demos, and that looks awesome. And then they're going to get to the part where it's got the crappy keyboard and weird USB ports. Well, no, no, it it has uh, exclusive butterfly switches that are <laughs> that are more stable than any keyboard we've ever shipped before. And uh, happened to be sixty percent thinner with with oh. uh, no key travel, and feels like you're typing on a wet banana. <laughs> wow, yeah, or pita bread, either either one, both work. Hmm. No escape key. I don't know that, that controversy. I don't I don't care too much about. No. But there are there are a few keyboard shortcuts I do use that have escape on them. Uh, but but whatever that that's few and far between. Um. But yeah, USB-C, like it's going to be a thing soon and eventually it does have to happen, but I don't think this, like you, you can't get rid of the standard size ones. I have to say, I also really like MagSafe. Yes, exactly. Cause like so many times where like, I'm just, I'm rushing to get out of the office and I'm just, and like, I just kind of, um, you ever do a thing where you just kind of like bend the laptop a little bit? Mm-hmm. And it just comes out and like, you just throw it in my bag and I'm, I'm out. Right. I don't want to have to like start disconnecting cables and worrying about that like that that was such a good innovation Uh, yeah i mean by far and away in my uh, tech support days with laptops other than just bad hard drives i'd say the second most common thing we'd see were people who bent the dc pin that Mm -hmm. you know your adapter would plug into and like anytime like i would vaguely ever like there'd be like a cool pc laptop or something i'd want to consider like i would always even though like i eventually i would come to my senses that like oh it's not a mac and it's not running os 10 and i have to deal with windows again would be that I was like oh no it doesn't have magsafe and that would be an instant deal killer although i have to say the the plug on my lenovo is okay how would it be it's 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 kind of like the shape of magsafe but it almost has the feel of usb like kind of like the way you plug it in kind of feels like plugging in a usb cable well but does it have the same like disconnection and tripping hazard i i don't, I don't know like I, I i'm trying to picture sort of like, like how what easily it would like. it disconnect not very okay but, so I, but I also don't think it would bend anything because it sort of has like two plastic squares that feel like it it kind of reinforces the plug this is the x1 still yeah uh charger i mean i, I guess i've never really had a situation where I've, I've had that happen but 
I get the sense that it would be a little bit more durable than... Does it have a yellow tip on it? Yeah, uh-huh. Hmm. It's kind of a hard plug to describe. Yeah, it does actually look exactly like a USB port. Yeah. Yeah, weird. It's got it's got a nice tactile feel, so I I I overall enjoy that, but I mean not not as much as MagSafe, obviously. God, PC <laughs> PC AC adapters are ugly. Mm-hmm. I like oh they all they all still have the just like the wall of text on the back and just like uh-huh. every every country symbol of like and the uh, <laughs> and and the Velcro, the, oh, the goddamn Velcro. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, I don't want to be a stick in the mud. I I I'm hopeful. I I want technology and progress to continue. I don't want to. I don't want to live in the past. But I I just I I get bummed about change for change's sake. And again, this could this could have all applied to the headphone jack thing, but I don't think it would have. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's the same thing. How much can we do, can we can we do can we do a draft on what we think happens tomorrow? Can we do can we take <laughs> bets on whether or not they say it's courageous to get rid of MagSafe? God, they better not. Yeah, um, you think Tim Cook's there, or is this a totally Schiller and Company show? Well, I mean, Tim Cook kicks it off. Yeah, he has but to be I, there. I don't think. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Even even in the presentations where Schiller and team do most of the actual presenting, I mean, it was always Steve and now Tim who at least do the intro and the closing. Got it. So yeah, no, he'll he'll do that. So what else do you think happens tomorrow? Well, I guess so. Just in the last twelve hours or so, there's been a lot of uh, rumors floating around about an Apple TV update where they're going to be coming up with some sort of like universal programming guide where it'll dynamically recommend shows to you and then it will deep link you into whatever app has that show. None of that really interests me because I just don't really have a hard time finding programming as it is. Doesn't that already exist though? Wasn't that one of their big features was that it did like it would search across Netflix, Hulu and like Showtime? I think think this is like a, an interactive guide. Whereas like the Siri stuff is sort of just all voice search. Got it. And, it, and I think it's supposed to like surface programming to you that it thinks you're going to like based on other things that you've watched, sort of like Siri suggestions in iOS. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's like, that'll be something. Um, and then in terms of like the rest of the hardware rumors, everything else is pretty ambiguous. There's There's been stuff floating around about a possible update to the MacBook Air. There's been stuff floated around about minor updates to the iMac there's been stuff about an external display but it it kind of sounds like all of the other mac hardware stuff maybe at least the iMac stuff and the display stuff it kind of seems like that's lost some momentum in the last few weeks and that we might not hear about that until next year okay um, so so no no iPad stuff yeah no i no iPad stuff no iPhone stuff um, Apple TV software update, and then I I do think they're going to do something with the airs, e- even if it's hey we're discontinuation discontinuing them. Yeah, like I I could see them, I could see them basically coming out with a thirteen inch version of the MacBook, and then they basically say is that different enough. Well, I mean, that basically completes the line such that they would no longer have to offer the air. 
Well, I think like if you like just they just split the difference. They like you, you discontinue like the MacBook Air currently comes in eleven and thirteen inch sizes. You'd be like, oh, hey, we have the the MacBook One got a uh, hundred dollars cheaper. We think it's even more affordable than ever, and it is now our one consumer laptop. And then you have the new thirteen and fifteen inch uh, MacBook Pros, and uh, and that's it. There's there's no way it stays it stays around in non-retina form, but I also don't ever see them updating it, so that's it's kind of tricky. Yeah, it, it, I guess the the because there, there have been rumors that have floated around about well they're going to keep the MacBook Air around, but they're just going to give it a speed bump and put USB C on it. But I just the idea of Apple shipping any sort of product without a Retina display now, I I, I don't buy that. That seems that seems like absolute madness. Yeah, that just that just doesn't seem to fit into what they do now. Because I mean, literally every single device since, I mean, it wasn't since I guess the iPhone four, which sort of first introduced the Retina display, but it wasn't long after that that every device they shipped with a screen had a Retina display. Like every high end device. Yeah. 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 So I don't I don't know I I, <clears throat> I guess again like that that end of it I'm not super interested in so I haven't put a ton of thought into it, um, but I, I I definitely am interested in the Retina MacBook Pro stuff. I'm just afraid that I'm gonna be super disappointed by the keyboard and the ports. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah. So with that, let's just keep going. Let's uh, Apple earnings. Disappointing, disappointing, right? I'm... Are are you joking? I just you know, being being a bit snarky. You're being an analyst. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I. Yeah. That's. It's weird. I don't like. I when you have so much success for so long, it's it's tricky to keep that up. And yeah, I mean, whatever. I don't have a lot to say here or to, uh, like any like doom and gloom that we can really add. For me, more of like what was interesting about it was was kind of the sales trends and just kind of the like just the whole look at Apple's business. And also one thing that I thought was weird is is the way they're accounting for services revenue. I think this is something that you brought up too. Well, so I I had brought it up in the context of so one of um she's shout out to Jason Snell and Six Colors of the Awesome Graphs that they do. Um, that sort of <clears throat> summarizes the earnings. The the kind of most interesting thing I took away from all these graphs was that services revenue now is more than Mac revenue and more than iPad revenue. Not not aggregated. So Mac revenue is like twelve percent of total revenue. iPad is nine, and services is thirteen, which is that's that's pretty interesting kind of but it's also disingenuous because under the umbrella of services includes uh the app store and also i believe itunes yeah it, which it which does, yeah. it includes non-recurring revenue like just just yeah right it's like every time somebody buys a thousand coins in like candy crush or something like that seems like something that you shouldn't be able to call services revenue that's t- well, just because they're I, paying the Apple tax. I'm not well, but I would I would flip that and say that not all services revenue has to be renewal based. I think it kind of does. Not, unless no, unless I don't think so. Well, does Apple Care? Uh, Apple Care doesn't count as services, does it? Even though that's technically 
kind of that. That's that's a good question. I, I assume I assume that would just be uh, folded in underneath, just as like a sub segment, like uh, which they don't release of either iPhone, iPad, or Mac, depending on which product it's sold for. Me well, or it might just be grouped into other. Maybe yeah, but like I I like that seems more like a service than them just skimming off the top of a transaction they helped facilitate. I don't disagree. I, I I think I disagree with that. I mean, hmm. I think like if going back to the old school days of like Blockbuster when you rented a movie, I mean, you would say that your the fee that you pay to rent that movie is a service. So I don't I don't see that being any different when you rent a movie on iTunes. But Blockbuster doesn't build never. Have, I mean, they don't do anything anymore. But they didn't <laughs> they didn't build themselves as a services company. They <laughs> well, because they were around before the concept of a services company as we think of it today sort of existed. Like when you think of a services company, like if you think of a Salesforce or like let's say you, you're you're purchasing some Azure cloud services from Microsoft, like that's yeah, but they but that's but that's a SaaS company. That's a specific type of services company. Like I, I I'm I'm with you. Like if you want to make the case that a software as a services company is sort of renewal based, I, I can get behind you on that, but. I don't think just providing a service necessarily implies that it's recurring. To well, I no, I should I maybe let's, let me flip it or let me let me qualify it a little bit. I think services kind of implies that it's it's for a period of time, not necessarily that it has to be recurring or renewable, but that the good or whatever you're purchasing is is explicitly for a period of time, which an app purchase or a music download is not. I, I I don't know I I disagree. I if you, if I like if you, you buy if you buy Apple Music for a year, that is definitely a service, even if you choose not to renew. But if you buy an app on the App Store and it you're it's a perpetual license, I, I disagree. Hmm. Yeah, but anyway, like it's it's interesting that that uh, and I, and I and that speaks to the fact that like people always bring up the stat that like if iTunes was its own business, it would be like a like a Fortune fifty company or something. Like I mean, that's that's all interesting. But it's just weird. And also, Apple's business is still super dependent on the iPhone. I think 63%? 61%. So let me ask you this on the iPhone stuff. So I read a bunch of headlines that were something to the effect of iPhone sales slow amidst lack of innovation or lack of new features. And you know, everybody points to the iPhone 7 and how it doesn't really have any sort of new design or flashy new you know thing that apple can demo but i guess the question i want to ask you is are slowing iphone sales and actually now declining iphone sales a result of that or is it more just the law of large numbers and the fact that the smartphone market is just so saturated and even if apple did come out with some just incredibly new redesigned iPhone this year that everybody agreed was a super compelling upgrade that we still just wouldn't see the gangbuster numbers that we saw the last handful of years. So a couple of things. So this quarter only included one week of sales of the new iPhone. Yeah, that's that's a good thing to call out too. Right. And also, but that also speaks to the fact that uh, Apple, this was the first year where they explicitly uh, said they were not going to release pre um like pre-order like milestone numbers like normally they'll say like oh launch weekend we we uh sold 3.2 million phones or something like that so they didn't do that this year either which which is 
was vaguely concerning. So I th- it's a maturing market, definitely. And because, and what goes along with that is you have a lot of people purchasing devices who are maybe on the the tail end of the adoption curve. So you always have like the nerds and the people who are always going to buy it. And then that was kind of the big uh, part of the growth of the iPhone. But then as the product market matures, you have the people who are buying it, who are, who are the parents and the, and the, the late adopters, who their replacement cycle is going to be much, much longer. So I think that is partially going to impact unit sales. But overall, like worldwide, there are emerging markets in a lot of other places that still have tons of room to grow. And Apple does not have products that compete in that area, which that's okay if they don't want to be there. But I don't think you can really say that sales are going to decline. And that's just how it is. I think it's unrealistic to expect growth that is as high as it always was just because on a percentage basis, yes, the law of large numbers does start to apply. And that's just improbable. But no, I think that like 45 million phones or whatever. Like, I think there's still room to grow. and But I just think a lot, like it is a mature product and not just that like it's underwhelming or they can't innovate, but a lot of people think, oh, my current phone's fine and, and that's good enough. Like the people like you and me that buy them every year are are not the norm. And even though Apple wants to turn that into the norm through the iPhone upgrade program, I don't think they're going to have as much success with that as they want. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's weird. But um, like I don't know, like the iPhone is a little bit of a stale product. Like if you think about the seven, and, and I'm not trying to like crap on Apple here, but like it, it doesn't have like it, it. You lost a feature. You lost the headphone jack. You gained quasi waterproofing. Um, the screen is slightly nicer, but that's super difficult to convey to people. the The camera improvements are mainly relegated to the plus, and we should probably check in with you on that. But, um, I mean, just, it's kind of whatever. Yeah, I mean, the I, the 7 is a big upgrade when you factor in things like the speed improvements and the improved display. But to your point, those are things that are hard to market to the masses. But I, I guess I, I am more of the opinion that iPhone sales could not have possibly continued to grow the rate that they grew from, you know... 2010 through 2014 2015 like that that just was not that was not going to happen and i mean maybe if they came out with a slightly more um exciting phone this year i mean we'll have to wait and see because like you said there's only a week of iphone 7 sales in these numbers but you know maybe if apple did come out with a more you know air quotes exciting phone this year maybe that growth would have at least not slowed as rapidly as it has, but I, I guess I'm just what we're seeing now feels like this was inevitable all along. I mean, it's it's kind of like it it's it reminds me a lot of desktop computers and then laptop computers, like desktop computers through the late '90s and early 2000s, and then laptops more kind of like early to mid 2000s, where just leaps and bounds in performance improvements particularly with cpus and you know that that reached a point somewhere in the mid 2000s where that stuff sort of started tapering off and 
the idea of upgrading your computer even every few years started to become a lot less common like people would just buy a computer and just hold on to it and that that's that's especially true today where i mean i think you could very easily continue using a like we we could use our current retina macbook pros for i mean what do you think and probably at least another four or five years and really not skip a beat yeah i i i strongly disagree with this analogy like like just because you use your phone so much more and so much like harder if that makes sense like if you have like a sluggish pc like you can deal with it but like those types of things are are much more magnified on a phone and also i think we're still like they're still making big improvements on camera quality and in and processing and all that kind of stuff so i'm not i'm not saying i agree with any of that (laughs) wait wait, it was your analogy well i'm 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 speaking in terms of most people no i mean the the number one the number one reason i get a new iphone every year and i'm sure i've said this before on air is the speed stuff to me because my iphone is by a multiple of 10 the most commonly used device i use day in and day out speed improvements mean a lot to me. Like, I always want the fastest possible iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I mean, I, 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 to me, the idea of using an iPhone for three or four years is, is crazy. Like, I would never do that. But I, but I do think for an overwhelming majority of people, that's totally reasonable. Yeah. Especially yeah. because I think to Apple's credit, they... And I guess you could argue how successful they've been, but it's it seems like in general they've been fairly successful. Where they, when they come out with new versions of iOS now, they do run reasonably well going back even, you know, a couple of versions on the hardware. Yeah, they had a rough go of it for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, remember I like mean, uh, iOS 7 on the iPhone 4? I don't know if you have any friends, but like, oh. Totally, but it's it seems like since then they're it's gotten better. They're ha- yeah, it's and one, it's been something they've actually called out as a feature. So I think to their credit, it's something they've put a lot of time and effort into. Yeah. Um, what was I going to end with? Uh, it. I, I'm amazed at how well Apple has kind of um, tried to keep the iPhone and maintain its user base. Uh, is seeing in, in like in light of the iPad and uh, Apple Watch, where they will be early, or like one of the the earliest people to the market, and then their like market share or advantage is eroded really quickly. I think they've done pretty well with the iPhone of selling the benefits of the software and and keeping that customer base. Yeah, I, th- I think they're in a weird situation. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just everybody else is catching up in the sense that, like the like you are right when you when you said like the when you thought like the original iPhone was was very ahead. Again, I, I might disagree with how ahead it was, but like there was a big gulf between it and its competitors, and that has I think everybody else has gotten better at design and advertising and that kind of stuff where it's. I don't know, Apple has a much tougher challenge of of selling their devices at a premium and acting like they're the only game in town that can provide um, a cohesive user experience and kind of like hardware and software together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, you want to switch it up and talk about something else? 
Yeah. Um, what else we got on the list here? Um, the so you've you've got the the big DDoS attack from last week as a topic. Um, did did you have something specific you wanted to go into on that? No, just mainly this. Like I I don't know. It was it was, it was kind of frightening that things can fall apart so easily through a bunch of unpatched web cameras. Like that's kind of a little little frightening. Yeah. Yeah, just like the the overall like uh, like I, I sent you the the link of the uh, the, um, the election fraud uh, malware. Like just I don't know, like I think the next decades could be kind of kind of weird. Like there there haven't been viruses like remember back in like the late nineties early two thousands when just like computer viruses were just insanely widespread and just like Windows was just like a hot mess of just unpatched vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. I think that's gonna kind of come back. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, people were more productive on Friday though. <laughs> Luckily Instagram was up the whole time, so so dog pictures were uninterrupted. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh but do you do you want to talk about your television situation? Both your defective television situation <laughs> and your current television situation. Sure. Yeah. And, so, we'll, and we'll we'll keep the listeners with remote controls. Yeah. So the the reason we didn't have a show last week is because I've been moving. Um, and I, I feel like I'm in no place to complain about the move just because you've, you've also been moving, but um, mm-hmm. moving is a huge hassle. So we, we did not have a show last week. So we're still, still very much in the midst of the move, but um, a little bit more settled in now. Um, and part of that settling in process this last week was getting a new TV. So I've had, had my tv for about four years um and so it just it kind of seemed like now was the time to get a new one and so you know did did the due diligence with the wire cutter and um all of that um and actually ended up not really actually using the wire cutter usually i'm i'm pretty much always just in line with what they recommend but their tv recommendations are weird where their top like they're the best tvs that they recommend are like all enormous they're all like 65 inches yeah the criteria that they grade on it what they think is the best value is is weird yeah they're all like 65 or 70 inches yeah and but then they go all the way down like they, they've got like their best tv category then they have the best tv for around 500 dollars. but then those tvs are all around like 42 43 inches like they don't really have anything in the middle exactly which is, which is not helpful to someone like me which is more in the like 49 to 55 inch range for my space so um, ended up not really going with their recommendation and instead just sort of did some looking around on my own. And um, I ended up with a Vizio, which, you know, I know, grown, whatever. <laughs> but they really have seem- seemingly gotten a lot better the last handful of years in terms of their reviews and quality and everything. So I found a a model, it was the P50-C1, that was a good price, Um, I could pick up locally. I knew I didn't want to buy a TV online because I didn't want to deal with the whole return or exchange process if there was an issue, which in hindsight was a good decision. (laughs) Um, So I went to the local Best Buy, picked this thing up last week. 
Um, also got a wall mount. That I did get from the wire cutter, and their recommendation was awesome. Love it. Um, got it all set up, wall mounted, only to find that the second time powering it on, so it was, it was fine initially, but then the second time I powered it on, just all these crazy lines going up and down the screen, screen would flicker. I mean, it was just, it was clearly just dead, you know, tried different um, <clears throat> HDMI cables, different power sources, tried everything you could think of, but it just, it just was a defective screen. So I had to take it back to Best Buy. Um, they don't do restocking fees anymore, but they, they do still go through the process of taking the TV out of the box, plugging it in, which I thought was like, I was like, oh God, like it's not going to do it here and they're going to like give me a hard time or something. But fortunately it did the exact same thing in the store. So, so that was pretty easy, but then, you know, had to kind of figure out, okay, well, what do I go with next? And I knew I didn't want the Vizio. Um, and it did actually turn out that, so we had a 50 inch screen and it turns out the wall that we were mounting it on could more sort of naturally accommodate like a 55 inch screen. That was just sort of the natural fit for the wall. So wanted to go with a different size too. Um, and so I ended up just sort of taking the quick and easy way out and getting the same model Samsung that you got. I, I really didn't want to put a ton more research into it. So I figured, well, you, I, I trust your trust your judgment so got the the 55 inch version of the one that you have which is the this this model number really rolls off the tongue it's like the what ku and then in your case 49 in my case 55 something 7000 or something like that it's the samsung 7000 series yeah okay thank you and so that, you know, brought that home and got that wall mounted. And that's been fine. No, you know, no technical issues. <clears throat> but um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I love it. I don't hate it, but I don't think I love it. Yes. I mean, I think I gave a review on the show. And, it, and that's, it's just that's the way all TVs are now. Like LCD TVs aren't, aren't very good for a lot, of, a lot of reasons. And there was this like whole race to 4K. Um, and just they're all pretty meh right now because they're all trying to achieve like the best showroom picture by um, like just like cheating and like just trying to increase the contrast and black levels and all that kind of stuff. But like it's they're not they're not they're not that great. I guess I guess my thing so far with the Samsung is the I don't know, like it, it's just sort of like overall kind of dim. Do you, do you get that on yours? Like, I don't no. know. Really? No, mine is like it was trying to find the settings that would scale back the brightness just a little bit so that colors aren't super oversaturated and also like the um, like so skin tones are right. Hmm. I guess I mean, I guess I, I'm coming from my old Samsung that was a very saturated TV. So maybe it's just coming down from that. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's fine. But how's your how's, uh, how's backlight bleed or is that pretty good on yours? I haven't I haven't noticed an issue with that. I I have to say I haven't been looking super close and I haven't had the TV on with the light off in here where you'd be able to see that better. Yeah. yeah. Um so I, I haven't had that yet. Um but man, you know, I, I think I think you may have brought this up too. Um one thing that I really noticed having a bigger screen now is my god, dude. The compression? Yeah, my god, does cable TV look bad? 
And I also like that Comcast doesn't even care about like they like they don't think like, oh, it's the World Series. Maybe we won't compress. Uh, no, the World Series has been atrocious. It looks like a 56K video. Okay. Well, I, I am I, not I, exaggerating. Okay, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Okay, so I'm, I'm glad y- you had brought that up previously because I, I was really disappointed like when I first turned it on this week where I think, the, I think I watched like a football game or something on Sunday when I first powered it on. That was on NBC and that was pretty bad. But then I've been watching baseball and like, Man, Even worse been, somehow. Oh, just atrocious. And here's the thing. I was like, oh, God, what is wrong with this TV? But then like, you throw on Apple TV and you look like at a, at a nice 1080p it Netflix. It looks pretty great. Like, yeah. I mean, pretty good. Like, I still have my complaints about LCD. But no, it's a Comcast. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's... Um, so, yeah, that's... Yeah, I guess that's that's been sort of another learning lesson is having this... So, I went from like 40... Like, I'm... I'm sitting closer now to a 55 inch than I was to a 46 inch. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be visible. So, so I'm you know I'm, I'm magnifying it both ways, right? I'm magnifying it with the viewing distance and I'm magnifying it with the screen size. Um, but yeah, man, cable looks bad. Yeah. Um, well, it's a bummer, or I mean, a bummer about the Vizio. I mean, I hope this one works out for you. Again, it's a stopgap for for both of us until OLED gets its act together yeah, in three years. I, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. And, you know, also, like, it's just it's just got to be one of those things now where I just I kind of have to let it go. I can't be, like, obsessed with having an amazing TV. It's kind of like, eh, it's just it's there. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, One one pivot or one other, like, uh, direction to take this. Harmony remotes. You've been doing some research. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, that's so the one of the like fun things I really want to get into with this new apartment after you know we get kind of all the basics set up is I really want to try to do more of the like home automation stuff. So like it, it like even just having the Echo and some of the Philips Hue lights, it's been that's been pretty fun. I want to get more into that, and a, a big part of that is okay, like how do you set up the the home theater stuff? And I've got the harmony i think it's the harmony touch um it's 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 a f- quite a few years old now i've had it for a while um and you know it, I've, I've never loved it it's it's not super responsive um it's kind of ergonomically weird but it's it's fine it's whatever um so you know just the fact that it's a number of years old has kind of got me thinking about getting something new um, and the other thing that I, we, we were really thinking about doing with this setup is kind of tucking everything away. So getting some type of console unit where we can put the, you know, the TiVo, the Blu-ray player, whatever else sort of just in a cabinet and just like not have it even be visible at all. Um, that's like really, really appealing uh, to me. But obviously like with my Harmony Touch, having it be ir like i can't do that or i guess infrared whatever can't do that so i've been thinking about getting a harmony remote where you know you don't need line of sight um and it just so happens that as i've been looking into that the last few days um, i think just yesterday um, they announced that they're now integrated with alexa so that you can do 
uh, voice command stuff. And that is incredibly appealing. Like the idea of being able to say, you know, hey, Alexa, or hey, hey, Dingus, sorry, um, you know, turn on Apple TV. Like that, I'm skeptical it actually works, but if it does, man, that sounds really cool. Yeah. I'd be- <laughs> Yeah, I think the latency would probably kill that. And also, since you stopped playing video games, and, and for me, like I, I've reduced the number of inputs on my TV down to two. So I, I like the whole... Oh, that's... that's and so but Sorry to interrupt, but... And, uh, so the one thing I'll say about that Vizio, five HDMI ports. Thing I'll say about the Samsung, three HDMI ports. What are you my, plugging into? My, I, I don't know, but... Th- like I was, I just was TiVo, look, Apple TV. You're done. I was looking at this the other night. Um, my four year old Samsung TV that I'm replacing has four HDMI ports. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's that's a little disappointing. Are you out? Have you run out of USB ports? HDMI ports? Yeah. Um. Well, so the USB of video. The 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 plan right now would just be TiVo, Apple TV, and Blu-ray. Yeah. So you're fine. Yeah, but then if I if I want to plug anything else into it, I can't. Unplug one of the other things. Man, un unplugging and plugging in things is really difficult <laughs> with this wall mount. The TV's it's, it's not though because the, the, because since the TV's so thin, like the, uh, uh, for all the crap I don't or for all the yeah the crap I give this TV, like it its design and how thin it is and all the ports being on the right side like angled. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. no, that's that seems incredibly easy to to alter and unplug. It's, it, 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 it is. Yeah, I, it is one of those things where actually I still have that um, old TV. So if you want a four year old Samsung TV, let me know. No, uh, um, like looking at the design of that thing and comparing it to this is it's pretty funny because yeah, this this new one's pretty sleek. Yeah, like I just I and I love the the tiny bezel. Like I don't like it's it's got some it's got some stuff going for it. Um, and it's even got a little nook on the back where the stand normally would have plugged into that I have the Apple TV, uh, four, uh, mounted to the back. Oh, that's, that's smart. So that's one less thing to put in a cabinet. And because like my, uh, the wall mount has little like cable runners so that it's easy to kind of bundle up the cables. Hmm. But anyway, like, so the Harmony remote thing, it's, it's weird. Cause I've got the, like my remote's like seven years old. I, mean, I think we talked about this. Like I've got the Harmony one which it's all infrared. There's no RF component of it whatsoever. And uh, when I got the TV, I also experimented with the uh, the Harmony uh, Companion or Smart Companion, whichever the the one that has the RF hub and like the limited remote, and it's supposed to be like a smartphone app. And that was underwhelming and kind of disappointing too. So, hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just too limited because it doesn't have the the touch screen uh, or like the little like top screen that all the other harmonies do because like they, they didn't used to have like mid range and low end remotes. They just had kind of like, there's either you get kind of like the, the mediocre one that's like 70 bucks or you get the, like the, the nuts, uh, $300 one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems, it seems like, yeah, the answer to all of this is just to get the harmony elite, but, but I'm not going to do that. Like, no. Yeah. And the thing is, I honestly, I don't dislike, I still sometimes find myself using the, the built-in remote for the Samsung which does complete control over the Apple TV, which I like, I don't know. It's, it's not that bad. But yeah. The, the remote, this thing comes with is kind of interesting. It's surprising. Yeah. Like it's, I was like, I wanted to hate it immediately, but 
Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's weird to see an Apple logo on a Samsung product. Because like it, it detects and like fully like initializes itself for like an Apple TV and even puts the Apple TV logo on screen when you switch inputs. Oh, really? Yeah, like if you just hit the little um, like the OK button or whatever the thing you get to move around with, like it 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 shows Apple TV and it it and it switches the remote into an Apple TV friendly mode where you don't even need to touch the Apple TV remote. Really? Let me let me mm-hmm. do that. Let me do this now. Also, love the fact that the TV turns on like instantly. That's actually probably mm-hmm. the best thing it's got going for it. Yeah, like within like with literally within a second. Um let's see here. So you're saying if I go to switch inputs. Oh wow, look at that. I just I just I just plugged in the Apple TV uh this evening. I didn't I didn't even notice this. Wow. Yeah, so it's it knows that and then all the buttons work. So I switched over to HDMI 2 where I've got Apple TV. Mm-hmm. It automatic it automatically turned on the Apple TV. Mm-hmm. And then look at that, the remote works. Huh. Interesting. It even has limited support for the TiVo too. Huh. Yeah, I that's 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 really interesting. Really weird. Yeah. Um. Is there it's a really random question for you? Is there a way whenever you turn the TV on, you know that little like ribbon of apps comes up on the bottom? Mm-hmm. Can you disable that from happening, or is that? Oh, that doesn't happen to me. So whenever I turn the TV on, the the little bottom with all the apps and then the settings and source comes on. No, that might have been a setting I turned off somehow, and I don't remember how. But no, when it turns on. It will do like the like the retro TV like flip on thing, yeah, which I uh, kind of cute, and that's it. Um, and then it just shows at the top uh, HDMI one TiVo, and then the time for like three seconds, and then goes away. Hmm. Yeah, mine mine shows like the little ribbon of apps at the bottom every time I turn it on. So there must be a way to turn it off. I just don't remember that I did that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a weird thing, but um, yeah, and I think the the remote situation is weird too. And RF is nice, but yeah, I would discourage you from uh, wasting your time with like uh, a half measure and getting the Harmony Smart Companion thing, just because controlling your phone or controlling your TV through your phone as a smartphone app is super dumb. It's it's not worth it. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I would use that much. But I, but the I, remote that it comes with is is too limited. And uh, like, as I spoke of offline, like there's this issue where it, t- it turns off the TiVo every time you turn on the TV. Um, so it's just no good. God, this Harmony, <clears throat> Harmony Elite remote is really, really sharp. It's not worth 350 dude. Yeah, or maybe know. it is to you. And then let me know how it is. But, <laughs> uh, but no, I, even I can't. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm in Petrus. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, and then yeah we already talked about alexa so um do you want to do a quick thing on amazon yeah so i I don't think i knew what you were referring to here so the the big story this week was that uh apple did like an investigation and found that like 90 percent of the chargers or or something that amazon's selling as genuine uh all like their apple charges are all knockoffs so that was a story for a bit but this kind of speaks to just kind of my own experience. It seems like in like in, a, in like just like in a grander scale, it feels like Apple or Apple, Amazon doesn't sell anything themselves anymore. Has that been your experience? That it, more stuff comes from third party sellers. Like very, very, very few things I buy anymore are are shipped and sold by Amazon. 
a lot of them have prime shipping and they're quote unquote fulfilled by Amazon, but very few things actually are shipped or like are sold by Amazon. I I would say that certainly fewer things now are fulfilled by Amazon or fulfilled and shipped by Amazon, but I would still say a, a decent chunk are. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would say a majority aren't yet. Hmm. What's been your hit rate on shipping? For me, it seems like it's an act of God for anything to get shipped by UPS <laughs> anymore. Yeah. So certainly what I've noticed in the last handful of months is it's 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 becoming more and more of Amazon's own delivery service, especially whenever I do the same day or next day delivery, which is which is often free here in San Francisco. So whenever I do that, it's it's always Amazon's own shipping service. And actually it's been really reliable. I, I haven't had anything delivered to the wrong location. I've only had it once or twice where I was supposed to get something same day or next day and it came one day later than expected. Um I mean, it's been better than on track. <laughs> so, you know, it's got that going for it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel down on Amazon just because, yeah, the, the shipping has not been reliable. Almost everything seems to come to me as USPS or the Amazon shipping service, which somehow couldn't find my office today. It's like, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, I don't know. It seems like it's not old Amazon anymore. Hmm. Yeah, they're trying to be forced to find a profit, and somehow they're skimping on just the stuff coming to me. Hmm. Yeah. Um, quick check-in on iOS 10 and also your massive phone. Um, yeah, we, we, you want to start with the, the massive phone? Sure. I love it, dude. Like, I'm I'm already to the point now where... Um, a couple of times since we've last spoken, I've used um, a regular six or a regular seven, and that that phone feels small to me now. It's like I'm I'm already to the point where the plus feels like the natural size. Okay. I I kind of I kind of thought that would happen, but I thought it would take longer. But I've really gotten used to it really fast. I I like it a lot. Hmm. Which is which is crazy. We should like go yeah. back and find all of the like bad things we've said about the plus, or the, I think bad things I've said about the plus over the last two years. I'm sure it's a lot. Yeah, but no, I, I've I've been I've been really enjoying it. Well, good. Um, how's the uh, the the portrait mode or the or the the fake blurring uh, stuff? It's it's cool. Um, I I want to use it more i haven't used it a ton yet I, I just played around with it some because it was part of uh ios 10.1 which came out this week um it's you know i mean it, it's it's not something you'd want to replace your dslr with but i mean like that sample photo that i sent you the other day i mean the fact that that's coming from a phone is that's pretty cool it's not gonna you know again not gonna replace some fancy dslr camera but it's pretty neat it is but also can you remind me of what part of that needs to be exclusive to the plus 
Because isn't it all, like, how much of it is reliant on the second camera? Because to my knowledge, I thought it was almost nothing. Entirely. No, the, the, whole, the whole effect is by um, combining images from both lenses. Hmm. Okay. I, that's like, that's hmm. like the one... That's like the one thing outside of just the zoom that that second lens does. Got it. Hmm. Well, I'm glad you're happy with it. I look forward for periodic updates, but yeah, I'm I'm surprised you've taken to it so quickly. Yeah, it's um I, I honestly the the transition to it has been not much different than going from the um We've had we had two size changes, right? To the five and then to the six. Well, no, I mean from from the four, yeah, four to five, yeah, and four then to five, five to six, then, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It and really no, <laughs> no six to six plus. Yeah, it, it, the the change from the the six S to the seven plus hasn't really been any different than the previous two screen size changes, in terms of the, like difficulty and getting used to. And, you know, I mean, put a different way, like I'm, I'm already to the point where the idea of going back to a smaller screen is, is crazy. Like I, I would, would not do that. Sorry, I'm just I'm marking down this day. Just, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I, I'm pretty, I mean, you know, I think from the TV conversation and from lots of other conversations we've had on the show, I'm pretty particular when it comes to technology. I'm, I'm, I'm not easily impressed and I'm, you know, I, I, a lot of times kind of fear change with technology once I have something working correctly, but, um, I, I like the plus a lot. Well, good. Uh, how are you doing with iOS 10? Um, it's, it's fine. Um, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to think of something that I, regularly use in ios 10 that is new like honestly can't really i can't really think of anything like to me watch os 3 has been the much bigger story from this year's software update cycle mm-hmm. are you are you having much annoyance with the way the uh, the lock screen works or notification center like all that stuff no that that's that's been fine hmm yeah, I still can't get used to it. It's still rather frustrating. I think I, I don't know. I guess like I sort of always clicked in the home button whenever I went to open my phone. So, and and, and you, there's a setting to change it back to the old behavior anyway. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that hasn't really bothered me. Yeah, I still can't get used to the on the lock screen swiping right to left to open the camera. Like that's that's been an adjustment. Yeah, yeah. And also notification center, just not remembering, just always defaulting to notifications, that's still killing me. Mm-hmm. But can I give you a pro tip that I discovered this week? Please. Do you have your phone in front of you? I am holding it right now. All right. Open Comfort- any app. Comfortably in one hand, might I add. <laughs> uh, so you, open- you, you, are not, you are not allowed to edit it out if you drop it while you're doing what <laughs> I'm about to tell you to do. I have, okay. not, I have not dropped it yet. All right. So open any app. Okay. So say you want to open another app. Yeah. Drag down on the notification bar slowly. Okay. And when you feel the Taptic Engine, let go. Oh, wow. Did not. Oh. And you get the Siri suggestions in the search box? But the keyboard's automatically expanded too. Wait, what? 
Well, like the keyboard is good to go and already in the search box with the keyboard open. So if you want to open one password or you want to switch to anything else. Mm, that, hold on. Oh, yeah. Wow. Cool. So it's kind of like Launch Bar on the iPhone, sort of. That's a little fiddly, though. But here's the thing. If you do it too fast, it thinks you're just trying to open your, well, your notifications. That, that's, that's, what I, that's, what I, that's what I'm saying. So you'll get used to it. Because that's the thing, you just do it slowly and you let go the minute there the the moment you feel the vibration. The um the the taptic feedback in iOS ten actually is really nice. Kind of. I, I like it. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's it there's all this like weird stuff. So now when you're setting alarms, if you have your, if you don't have your phone muted, which I almost always do, but like it now make like, like if you have it connected to a speaker, it now makes those damn clicks. Yeah. Uh it's it's this weird stuff. Hmm. I, I kind of like it. Yeah. But anyway, for the, the fact that it no longer remembers that I want to look at the widget view, which uh, now decreases uh, the utility of, of uh, the launcher widget, uh, that's been a nice workaround. Hmm. Yeah. Only works when you're inside of an app, just because if you were on the home screen, it would do that anyway. Oh, yeah. Whenever you pull down as far as you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so quick tip for the day. Nice. All right. You got anything else you want to talk about before picks of the week or jump right to it? Um, I think the last thing I had was the the Tesla stuff. Yeah, go for it. Um, so they had a um, little press event, or not even a press event, sort of just like a, a live stream thing that they did last week where they um, made some announcements around autopilot and sort of outlined their both shorter term and longer term vision for the future of autopilot. Um, and, and the big the big takeaways were um, as of the day of the announcement. So as of last week, every Tesla shipping, uh, so current Model S's and Model X's, and then all Model Threes will have the hardware necessary for um, full autonomous autopilot, which which we'll get more into in a second. So all the hardware is going to be there from day one with these cars. And then their plan from the software side is to sort of continuously improve autopilot to the point where it is fully autonomous. So they've got sort of this next wave of autopilot, I guess almost like an autopilot kind of 2.0, where they're going to add a handful of features such as um, on-ramp, off-ramp capability where the, you know, your Tesla will be able to get on and off the freeway for you. Um, and then a handful of um, other features. I think they also mentioned um, more complex roads it's going to be able to handle now, um, sort of just natural progressions on top of the existing autopilot system. Um, but then the plan, which they say is, is coming sooner rather than later, although they put a big disclaimer on the page about, you know, all of this is dependent upon regulatory approval. But um, they, they're optimistic that they're going to get all Tesla vehicles uh, fully autonomous to the point where you just literally enter your destination and that's it. Um, which is, you know, I think kind of explains a lot about the Model 3's really minimalist dash. Um, and it's overall just it's 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 really neat. It's it's where it's where cars are going. No, you know, no no question. Um, but it's it it is the regulatory stuff and 
insurance and all that that's got to you know kind of get worked out um obviously before any of this is going to become reality yeah yeah looks looks neat yeah the the video if, if you haven't seen the video yet i would recommend it they they have a video where they've got a model x that's in the full autonomous mode and the, the the craziest thing i think about it and this is one of the features they highlighted is auto park where mm-hmm. you can have the tesla pull you up to you know the the front door of wherever you're going and then you get out of the car and you just say you know hey go park yourself and it'll find the nearest parking spot and it'll leave it like it even it did this in the video where the first spot it saw was a handicap spot so it knew it couldn't park there so it continued to go around the lot until it found another spot and then it sends you a message in the tesla app on your phone saying hey i parked here i am and then when you need the car again you can just summon it to wherever you are like all that stuff is just i mean that's <laughs> man that that stuff is really really cool and like in theory, like I mean, if if things line up the right way, really is just a few years away. Huh? Who 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 suggested that? The the Tesla? No. No, I mean they they. they Do you have... remember our self driving car episode where you told me I was absolutely nuts for saying like five to seven years? No, I yeah I I do. I that's like that's why. That's why the announcement was pretty exciting to me is because, I mean, this all could end up not happening, but I mean, clearly Tesla's ambition is that this stuff is not that far away. So that that is true. But do you have any concerns about the quality of what they're doing? Because they're not doing, and, and we've talked about this briefly before, but they're not doing self-driving cars the proper way. Like they're completely relying on cameras and a lot of stuff that is that they themselves... Like here's like Tesla has no, like they don't ever like say anything that's not like in the most uh, grandiose way you possibly can. Would you kind of admit? Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Like I don't know they, they just act like n- there's nothing that the the like stuff that they're doing with j- just cameras is is like is not the best of like all possible worlds and. I don't know, like, it just seems like there's got to be a point where, like, this, it, it's not enough because everybody else who's doing self-driving cars are relying on more reliable technologies. Yeah, I don't know, but it looks, pro- like, I'm glad it's, it's, it's being, that they have intentions of bringing so close to being mass market so quickly. Seems neat. But did you see the thing? You've, you've read about the Tesla network thing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the other big part that we haven't touched on. <laughs> Yeah, you can't use your self-driving car for Uber or Lyft, which uh, <laughs> seems uh, also, uh, first off, super illegal um, and also just kind of like really lame. Yeah, the, the, that, the Tesla network thing seems, that's even more crazy to me. So the, the, the idea is that, and we talked about this when um, uh, they, Tesla came out with part two of their master plan, which is... Their vision is in an effort to make owning a car more affordable, you know, while you're not using it, you can basically just go tell it to, you know, hey, become a automated Uber car that other people can use. And that the even the self-parking thing just just seems like total science fiction and just seems like something that would take forever to trust. 
Like, can you imagine? Like, imagine the first time that you go to use that auto park feature. Like, <laughs> like you're, you're, there's no way you're just gonna like trust that immediately, right? Um, so the idea of like taking that to a, a huge extreme and just telling your car like, hey, go off into the world and just drive random people around. <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, maybe that'll become the norm and. We'll look back on this conversation years from now and think about like how antiquated this line of thinking is, but at least from where we sit now, that just seems like a completely crazy concept. Yeah, the future comes at you fast. Mm-hmm. And old age. Ugh. Yep. Picks of the week. Yeah. Um I guess I mine's sort of like a combo pick. Okay. Um with the Synology and Backblaze B2. So this is a recommendation from you that I got. Um, I don't think we ever closed the loop actually too on the Synology. I I, I bought your old Synology. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think we think it was a uh, mutually beneficial agreement. Um, I, I the Synology is wonderful. It is so it's so much better than the Drobo. My goodness. Yeah, Drobo's kind of one of those companies where it seems like it's it's 80% marketing. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, the the Synology is awesome. Um, I mean, come to think of it, I'm pretty sure we have talked about it on the show, but um, I, I love it. It's great. Um, and, you know, one of the things that they have is the whole cloud sync um, application, which is also great, where you can, you know, make basically make a copy or keep in sync everything that's on your Synology to a remote backup service. Um, but the part that's a little bit fiddly about that is it doesn't just plug into like crash plan or um, some, some of the more like consumer friendly cloud backup services. Like you have to kind of go more into like the Amazon S3 kind of enterprise route where you're creating like buckets. And like, I have to be honest, I still don't fully understand all that stuff. Um, and so like the one that I had originally used also based on your, your recommendation was the Google cloud platform. And that, that was mostly fine. Like the UI was relatively straightforward, although it was a little clunky. Um, but now with this new backblaze service, the, the UI is much, much cleaner. It's really easy to get to your files. I love that it's got two factor authentication built right into it. Um, it's sort of the it's sort of the perfect uh, cloud backup uh, service for the Synology, I think. Mm-hmm. And man, super super cheap. What what did we say before we started recording tonight? It's like half a half cent per gig <laughs> per month. Man, but again, the one thing I I must remind you, or which it's not like you have an alternative, is that um, these services are very cheap for long term uh, storage of lots of data. But uh, how they make their money or how they kind of compensate for this is it's if, when you download. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's costly. But if you need your data, you need your data. But so yeah, I, I I noticed that and was thinking about that. I mean, it's a lot cheaper than having to have your hard drive rebuilt. Like assuming it mechanically fails. Exactly. Well, and, and also, well, you can't because it's since it's a, a spanned array, uh, you you just can't. Well, the, yeah, right, right. 
Um, Although what uh, you have your uh, uh, Synology set up at, with at least one disk of data redundancy, right? Yeah, well, so I, I just use their their proprietary RAID thing, whatever it's called. The uh, is it SHR one or two? Um, like how many disks did you allocate for protection? Well, I just I just have two disks in it now. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, like uh, the the hybrid RAID thing is good, but as long as as oh yeah, I so mean, Syn- I'm sure you... Synology hybrid RAID—that's what it's called. Yeah, but as long as you know it's not backup, but it's mainly just a way to make a lot of disks one big volume that's somewhat fault tolerant for a hardware failure hardware failure um it's it's pretty good well, i think i think with my two disk setup like if one of the disks fails it's fine should be yeah well should be but well that's that's why well, but, you, that's why you have the cloud backup in case i some... don't think i could be wrong i don't think like hybrid like that kind of stuff is designed for just two disks because at that point you might as well just use raid one i think it needs like it's ideal with three or more could be totally wrong though i yeah i don't think that's right no i I think i think if one because i think like only half the space is addressable in the setup that i have hmm because again if you're if you only have two drives then wouldn't that just be a complete just mirroring type situation I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's too tactical. Yeah, but that's that's why you get the cloud backup. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, good. Yeah. So that that's a that's a nice um, setup. Although I'm <clears throat> currently going through the uh, painful process of re-uploading all of my data. You got to get it in before uh, Comcast's uh, terabyte cap comes so, in. So does that that terabyte cap is, is is the one terabyte? Is that a combination of download and upload? Of course. Okay. Yeah. It's not. It's not like it's not just a cap on downloads. It's also a no, cap on no, uploads. No. no. Good old Uncle Comcast. They're not going to do that. No. Okay. Um. All right. So mine. I got one uh, big pick of the week, and then one minor one. So the big pick of the week is a game called Mini Metro, which is fantastic. It's uh, an iPad and iPhone game that really, really deserves to be played on the iPad. Uh, it's a little bit cramped on the phone. I'm sure it's a good time waster, but uh, it's super fun. It's uh, a puzzle slash like simulation game. It's kind of like a super simplified SimCity. You're building your own transit system uh, in a lot of uh, famous cities in the world. I really enjoy playing the San Francisco map because I like uh, making Bart extend to Marin. It's really fun for me. Uh, but it's it's very well done. It's a beautiful game. It's uh, frustrating, but like incredibly entertaining for hours where it's just kind of like, it's one of those games where it's just like, you wonder where the time went. Um, yeah, love it. Can't say, uh, enough good things about it. Hmm. Yeah. Perfect game for the iPad, uh, iPad pro. And it even caused me to buy an Apple pencil. What? Because it's one of like, again, you should, uh, I, you should play this. It's totally worth the $5. Not if it's going to make me buy an Apple pencil. Like it's, it's good with, um, but like when you really like when you're, you're transporting several hundred commuters per day, per day. Um, yeah. Like you kind of want precision when you're managing all the lines. It is so relaxing to play this game while listening to music and have like your, your Apple pencil out. Yeah. That's another reason why I think I'm so hopped up on the on the Surface Desktop or Surface Surface Studio. What's it called? It's the Surface yeah, Surface Studio. So you can play a five dollar game on it. No, no, I'm just saying uh, the the Apple Pencil. Just kind of the idea of like uh, 
that type of input method it's it's super fun well so we we gotta i mean we're running along but we gotta we gotta talk about the pencil i've only used it really for that purpose okay okay i've I've done i've dabbled with kind of like text recognition and like some of the other or uh, handwriting recognition but we'll we'll come back to that okay but this game is great strongly recommended okay and then uh, follow up, like minor pick of the week. Um, I don't know when this got updated, but do you uh, like on your widgets on iOS ten? Do you have the Fantastical widget? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I do, I do. When did it get redesigned? Where like now it looks amazing. It, pretty shortly after iOS ten came out. Yeah, like it's great. Like yeah. I love the thing where it says like you have like just some big like cause their widget was always not very good. Mm-hmm. And now it just says like in ten hours you have this meeting or whatever. Like it, uh, I love it. Very good. Yeah, those are my picks of the week. Hmm. All right. Yeah, and dogs. Oh, oh, every every week. Yeah, tertiary right. pick of the week. Mm-hmm. 